The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. We're back to talk to James J. Dub Williams, but I really would I need to give the introduction this way, and I and I shouldn't have given your name. I, I should have done this. Our guest today went to McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota. He launched his career as an early member of that city's Penumbra Theater, the place where August Wilson received his first professional production, and which remains the best interpreter of his canon. Our guest originated the role of Roosevelt Hicks on Broadway in August Wilson's Radio Golf. He appeared off-Broadway in Wilson's The Piano Lesson in My Children, My Africa, a founding member of the Penumbra Theater. He's been a regular on the Twin City stages for over four decades. He's performed at Center Stage, Goodman Theater, Huntington Theater Company, the Kennedy Center, Mark Taper Forum in Seattle, Repertory Theater, Syracuse Stage, Yale Repertory Theater. He's maintained his connection with the Minnesota Social Justice Theater community. At the Pillsbury House, he served as artistic director of the Chicago Avenue Project, as well as director of teen programming. He is artistic director of the Mill City's Players. He's been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in 2007, received an Ivy Award for Performance Excellence in 2008 by the Minneapolis Star Tribune. In 2012, he received the Distinguished Global Citizen Award from McAllister College. In 2014, he was given his second Ivy Award for his ensemble work in Marcus or The Secret of Sweet. He is the 2015 McKnight Theater Fellow at the Playwrights Center, the 2016 Fox Resident Acting Fellow, and a 2018 Ten Chimneys Fellow. Welcome to St. Louis actor and director, James J. Dub Williams. Well, let me say, rather than welcome to St. Louis, let me say it's good to be home. Welcome back. Yes, and yes. Tell it, us about your growing up here in, in the Lou. <laughs> um, it's my family uh, originally, uh, we lived in the central West End. We lived um, Euclid, right around the Fountain Park area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started school at, I believe it's called uh, Euclid now. It used to be Washington and Washington Branch. They were right across the street from each other. And I went to uh, Washington up until the fourth grade. And then um, I went in, I went into the nurse's office one day. They called me in and they said, they, they started asking me a bunch of questions. And they showed me uh, a picture. The one thing I remember is they showed me a picture of, and to give you an idea of what the political climate was at that day, uh, a cowboy fighting a Native American. And the sun was on the right side of the picture. And the shadow was on the right side of the picture. And they asked me what was, you know, what did I notice? And I remember saying the shadow's going in the wrong direction. And that was about one of about 50 questions they asked me. So um, the next year when everyone else was went across the street to go to Washington Branch to go to school, I ended up going to Walnut Park in North Saint, in uh, in the Walnut Park area in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, this was, well, you can tell I don't usually do this at home. I'm saying St. Louis, Missouri, like we don't know where we are. <laughs> That's um, all right. But uh, uh, this was in 1965. 
So we were one of the earlier gifted uh, programs. They had moved the gifted program from Ashland Elementary Mm -hmm. over to Walnut Park. Uh, I was there, graduated from Walnut Park in 1968, started at Northwest uh, High School, spent two years there, had some issues, ended up going to uh, Vashon High School. Uh, By this time, we had moved from the Central West End and we moved down to Bloomer Village Housing Project. Um, And, uh, which is no longer there anymore. (laughs) Um, and went to Vashon for a couple of years and had some issues. And uh, there were a wonderful string of counselors who ended up, uh, uh, particularly a woman named Jeanette Matthews at Vashon, who uh, saw that I got into the Upward Bound program Mm -hmm. at Washington University before it moved from there to St. Louis University. Great program. Yeah, because at that time there was a Washington University you upward bound and a Webster mm-hmm. upward bound, and then I think they combined them both together and moved them to St. Louis U, and that was where I discovered theater and upward bound. Uh, I, I worked with a woman named Barbara Woods, who uh, had us do plays. I did uh, the first year. The first play I ever did was a show by Douglas Turner Ward called uh, Happy Ending. Um, and then the next year, <laughs> uh, I was scheduled to play uh, Walter Lee in Raisin in the Sun, uh, but I got a little big-headed and thought it was more important for me to participate in my, my bowling championship <laughs> than it was for me to go to rehearsal that day. And I will never forget, she came and watched. She came and stood in the back of the bowling alley at St. Louis U., uh, in the student union and looked at me and said, and, and I said, I'll be there as soon as I finish this. And she looked at me and said, don't bother. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember watching another gentleman who got moved from a smaller role to uh, into the Walter Lee role. And that was my first and most valuable theater lesson. Mm-hmm. I learned that you are always replaceable mm-hmm. and nothing is a substitute for being there. For showing up. Mm-hmm. And when you show up, show up hard and hit it hard and do what you do. And uh, so I'm really, I'm I'm a St. Louis baby. Okay. You know, I'm a St. Louis baby, born and bred, still a Cardinal fan. Right. You know, after all the time I've been in Minneapolis, right. they look at me and they go, when are you going to switch over to the Twins? I said, never. Okay. Even you know? especially when they uh, won the series in... Uh, 87. Yeah. I had so much fun. I wore all my cardinal regalia walking to and from. Uh, I was working at a theater in downtown Minneapolis at the time, and I was one of the few people wearing red in a sea of blue. I bet. I bet. So, so how, how how did you end end up on the uh, bowling game? Oh, I. You know what? I don't even remember. I think we. I think we finished second that year. Uh, but it was so. I, the, the big lesson was. You know, you everybody is replaceable. Mm-hmm. So you, you, there's, you be there, be there, be there, and be there fully. So you've got this bug of you kind of bit by the theater bug, mm-hmm. and how do you end up in Minneapolis? In Min- Minneapolis, going to school. Uh, Miss Matthews, uh, who I will always be grateful to, um, 
I, this is so funny because I get to, I, like, I, like I was telling you earlier, I can tell this story now and people will know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've told this in, I've told this everywhere from New York City to Los Angeles, uh, Nairobi, Kenya, um, Usa River, Tanzania. And people looked at me and went, okay, yeah, but now people know, people know who I'm talking about. Uh, I, I I had an issue with authority and and, and going to school, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, one of the things that she told me was she said I'm not going to give up on you even though you're trying to give up on yourself. Mm. Um, tested off the charts, ACT and SAT, but there was this little thing called you know grade point average that because I had a problem right. Going to school, uh, it, it, it. so I ended up taking my GED and uh, became eligible uh, because of the grades I made that summer, following my quote unquote senior year, uh, in upward bound with my math and English classes, which were college level, and that got me a, a scholarship, a partial scholarship to McAllister College cool. in St. Paul, and uh, got there, and. It was <laughs> one of the things that you find out that, uh, that everyone tells you you're supposed to go to college, but no one tells you what that means. Mm-hmm. And I, I got off the plane. It was the first time I'd ever been on a plane when I uh, went to visit as a prospective freshman. And one of the things that blew me away about the Twin Cities was how green and uh, how much water there was and how many of these huge oak and elm trees. And I had never seen anything like that before and decided, okay, I can do this. And uh, got there, uh, still had my issues of going to class, but I tried to figure out, and I I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but then I found out I hated natural sciences, which kind of blew that up. Right, right. And um, ended up, in a theater class, and I had I had done a couple of plays and remember, you know, it was kind of fun, but it was something that really stuck with me, and I and did a couple of shows for friends and decided this might be a thing for me, hmm. you know, this might be a thing for me. Uh, I I used to tell my mother, uh, God bless her soul, that uh, I I'm thrilled because because of her fervent prayer life for me uh theater was the gift that was the language that god gave me until i got enough sense to listen to him Hmm. and so it did it kept me on the straight and narrow it kept me uh it 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 gave me a sense of purpose gave me um a sense of how i fit in the world and it gave me a chance to work on a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. uh by uh, by putting it in characters and figuring right. out, you know, I, I, I found ways to uh, release anger, mm-hmm. resentment, mm-hmm. fear, uh, and, and just a lot of things. You know, I didn't realize how much I'd been carrying as a kid. Now, let me let me ask this question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to, because in your upbringing, there was a traumatic event that happened. 
<laughs> okay. I'm, I'm talking about, is it your father or your grandfather was... Oh, oh. Oh, you've done your homework. I have done my homework. Okay, yes. Because <laughs> I know you you did a series of classes. Yes. For at uh, one of the universities up in Minnesota. Yes. In in really helping them, I guess my words, discover um, how they can release a lot of what you just said, a lot of intensity, a lot yes. of anger, a lot of yes. angst, a lot of happiness through the characters that they portray. Yes. Uh, okay, it's honesty time. Oh, boy, I hadn't counted on going here today. But it's okay. If you don't want to. Uh, no, 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 it's okay. Um, like I said, I was carrying a lot of stuff. Uh, I was a father when I was 15. Mm -hmm. And I did not step up to the plate like I was supposed to. I, I, I actually denied my son who uh, later ended up moving to Minnesota by bringing him in Minnesota with me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, on, so the, on one level, there was that trauma of, like, have you seen the show? Not yet. Oh, okay. I won't tell you. I won't put that out you, there. You won't? I won't do that. Okay. Uh, but, there are so, but there are so many things that there are times when you have to step up to plate to the plate in life. And when you don't do it, it sticks with you mm -hmm. for a while. Mm -hmm. And you hope and you pray that you'll get a second chance mm -hmm. to do it. And that, you know, so that was one level. The other level, the thing that you asked me about is, um, and I didn't find this out. I didn't find this, find that out until five years ago, for no, no six years ago. Wow. And uh, what, what my I I never knew my grandfather, my my paternal grandfather, um, and, and found out it was because. Uh, let me back up before I get too far ahead. Uh, my father was not around me mm -hmm. growing up. Uh, he was here. He was in town. I knew him. We had a relationship, but. Um, I so there was a bit of resentment there, um, but I found out that his father had been assassinated mm. in uh, in Vicksburg, Mississippi, when he was ten years old. Oh my gosh! And how do you? One one of the things that uh, you discover is how do you? You could only teach what you've been taught. Mm -hmm. And he was not taught. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, he, he might have been taught somewhat the, the opposite. Because when I say my grandfather had, was assassinated, he was assassinated on, on his job by someone who he was a fireman on the, the, the uh, Mississippi Valley uh, Railroad line uh, in the Delta, and a car rode into the train yard and assassinated him on the engine and drove away. And what I found out was my grandmother stayed there with her six her se her six kids. Uh, because when I first f found this out in my head, I was thinking, you know, so they, as soon as they could, they got away. 
And what I found out was they made it a, a contingency on his insurance policy that she had to show up at the courthouse every month and say, request an amount of money from the insurance companies and the bankers. And they would give her, she would have to say what she wanted it for and produce receipts of how she spent the last month's money. And she did that for six years before she left. Mm. Before, but, but when the money ran out, she got the kids and they moved here. Mm. Um, and, and so what that taught me was how how we had gotten through what we got through and a lot of it turned into sheer focus of will and putting your head down and putting up with whatever came at you right you know to get a thing done uh and what it showed me what what i realized from that is my stubbornness i come by you know i, I inherited it very honestly um and the the idea of family being the most important thing mm-hmm. i come by that honestly also mm-hmm. absolutely and it's it's a you've got a great what your grandmother did yes unbelievable in yes. that time and having to justify who else would have to do that See, and and it's. I ended up. I, I uh, you, you mentioned I was a Fox Fellow. Part of that was part of that grant was uh, to allow me to go to Vicksburg for the first time mm. to see where the old house was, uh, and amazingly. The train depot is still there. Seriously. It's a museum now. Oh, wow. But it's still there. Um, to spend time, and because we never went, no one ever talked about it. So many families that go through that kind of trauma, that kind of history just gets pushed away. Mm-hmm. And nobody knew the answer to the questions. Mm-hmm. Or if they did, um, they didn't talk about it. I mean, our parents never talked about it. There right. was, uh, you, there was never the trips down south to go, right. uh, and, and it just it, it answered a lot of questions. It answered an awful lot of questions. Especially looking back now retrospectively, yes. you can really see how those events and how that kind of all formed who you were at the time and it, some exactly. attitudes and things like that. Well, well, it it. it it gave a lot of clues, it, you know. It gave a lot of, of of clues to why I had made some of the choices I had made. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, it didn't excuse them, but what it did was it, it gave me. I, I I felt like I I wasn't the first one. I wasn't the only one going through what I had gone through. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Interesting. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. We're talking to James J. Dub Williams, and he is performing at the Black Rep, and we're going to be talking about that show in a little bit. But first, I wanted to ask you, when did you meet August Wilson for the first time? <laughs> um, what was that like? 
Well, I I knew August before August was August. Uh, our, the first show that we did at Penumbra back in 1976, um, the director was a gentleman named Claude Purdy, and Claude was had, had met August in New York, and had I'm sorry, not in New York, in Pittsburgh, and uh, they had worked on some things together there. And when Claude came to St. Paul to uh, to direct a production of The Great White Hope, um, and he talked to August about the Twin Cities, saying it was a ripe, fertile area for uh, artists and to discover who you were as a playwright. And August said, okay, came, and uh, he was standing in the back of a rehearsal. Mm. And afterwards, we just sat down and started, you know, all of us sat down and started talking. So we were all friends, you know, drinking buddies, you know, we get together and watch fights and, and, you know, basketball games and all of those things and just talk. And he was always jotting things down on bar notes, uh, on bar napkins and uh, writing poetry. And it'd be times that we would get together at Claude's and read poetry and read snippets of things. And we so we ended up about three years later doing Black Bart and the Sacred Hills, which was uh, his first, it was his first professional production, which uh, was a musical uh, version of adaptation of Lysistrata. Hmm. And uh, it's, it was, <laughs> it was, you don't realize that you're in the middle of a special thing until it's almost past you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember uh, the the O'Neill accepting Ma Rainey, you know, and, and coming out and, and August going out and the production came and theater history was made and you you think that people are going you know it's people's heads are going to get big and he remained the same cat through mm. it all through it all and then is that kind of which launched the oh the, the yeah. 10 uh, well well no that was actually um I don't think he realized that there was going to be a 10-play cycle until, I think, Joe Turner. Okay. You know, because Ma Rainey was just, Ma Rainey was this thing that nobody nobody had heard language like this before Mm -hmm. with the richness and um, the imagery and the emotion and... You know, uh, standing in the middle of the stage, uh, you know, Rock Dutton standing in the middle of the stage on a bench in a in a locker room, you know, trying to cut God and and just I'm trying to say I'm trying to quote the line without using without referring to the profanity that's right, in right. it. Uh, but there was just so much 
emotion, passion, wonderfulness, um, a way of hearing our voices that had not been heard on stage. Oh, I should say, had not been heard on a Broadway stage mm. uh, before, or at least since Lorraine Hansberry. Um, and it made, and then it did the thing that at that time people didn't think African American theater could do. It made money. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. People looked at it, and I remember, uh, oh, the critic John Simon loving it, but then other critics saying, yes. This was wonderful for the type of work it was, but is he capable of writing a normal, a normal American piece? Whatever with, that means. Well, well, you know, with 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 for white folk. No, I, <laughs> yes, but but um, something along the lines of salesman. Death of a Salesman, okay, okay. or with a central protagonist. Gotcha. You know, and August being August, you, you never give August a, cha- a challenge. August being August, August went out and wrote Fences mm-hmm. and said, okay, how's that? Yeah. You know, and people went, oh, my goodness. Oh, this is so fabulous. And, and, and then he went back to doing what he did, you know. Piano lesson, Joe Turner. And then he realized these are all taking places in different decades, mm-hmm. and these are all, you know, it might be cool uh, to do the site to to do a cycle because his wasn't the first cycle. Okay, the uh, it was uh, Bullens Ed Bullens um, had the twentieth century cycle. Um, uh, the corner in New England winter in the wine time uh, because all of those things come out of uh, the the black history the the, the black arts movement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the 60s mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that August was a student of now what was it like to perform on Broadway uh, that had, that had been a gas that's like a once in a lifetime uh, uh, opportunity. Oh, oh, that was, that was, let me take you back because the, the, the thing about that was that we started um, in 2004 at, no, 2005. Yeah, we started in 2005 at Yale and, um, with the 10th play of the cycle. And it's funny because I was doing this play, uh, Two Trains, in Kansas City. And uh, at, at Missouri, is it Missouri Rep or Casey Rep? I think it's uh, Missouri Rep now. Um, but they, and I was doing the same character. And August came to see the show. And August stopped, you know, came backstage and said, <laughs> <clears throat> his exact words were, man, you really did that. And if you knew August, that was, I, I was like walking on cloud, uh, cloud nine 
because of that. And then about a week later, I got a call from a casting agent in New York and said, August wants you to submit a tape for uh, the last play, Radio Golf. And I said, Harriet, thank you very much. Uh, please let August know that I'm I'm thrilled that he you know that that he gave me the op- he was giving me this opportunity to do this but he doesn't owe me anything about friendship and she stopped me and she said I don't think you understand Mr. Wilson said he wants you to submit a tape said, okay I get it I submitted the tape and two weeks later um, I was out in New Haven sitting in the theater for the meet and greet with uh, Time, Newsweek, uh, Reuters, USA Today, uh, the New York Times, and people putting microphones in front of my face going, okay, well, what do you think (laughs) about all of this? Um, So that was the beginning of the ride. at the end of, after we opened, after the world premiere, uh, what ended up happening was, after the world premiere, what ended up happening, after the world premiere, what ended up happening was, uh, we, the, the, the day after, or the, after our opening weekend, uh, August and um, Constanza, his wife, and Azula, their daughter, got in the limo to go to the airport. And uh, he looked at me and he said, I'll see you in L.A. And <laughs> <Hey>, what? <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, that was his way of letting me know that I had stuck. I made the cut. Um, and so we went to L.A., in between times, we went to, this was, we were in the spring, we were at Yale. In the fall, we were going to L.A. And in the meantime, it came out that he was sick. Mm. And he wasn't going to be joining us in L.A. And August was always, you know, August was always, uh on the journey, when you were on your on your way on the path to get to Broadway, August was always at every in every rehearsal. So what we did was we ended up taping all the rehearsals and sending them back, uh, sending them to him in Seattle, so he could keep writing and keep working on the mm. play. Uh, then uh, the next stop was uh, was going to be Seattle, so he could see it. But he passed away mm. in the meantime. Um, and what that did for everyone involved was it gave us this, this sense of purpose of making sure that we get the last show to Broadway. Mm-hmm. So opening night was such a rush of adrenaline plus uh, a sense of accomplishing a goal, finishing the cycle, getting the last play there and um, just release of my God, I, 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 uh, my, I have something now that no one can ever take from me. Mm -hmm. I am 
it's not James Williams actor anymore. It's James Williams Broadway actor. Mm-hmm. That's and huge. That's that's because it was never really one of my goals. Mm-hmm. All I really wanted to do was make sure that I did good work. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to Miss Woods, show up, be there, and show up hard. Right. And that's and that's what happened. I ended up going from the thing that they say that that they always tell you, you know, you're not going to make it to Broadway from a show in Kansas City. Yeah, you can. If you show up, you show up hard and you give it all you got. And and that's what it was. And I was honestly, uh, I'm honestly able to say that the greatest playwright of, of my generation wrote words from my mouth, Mm. you know, uh, and having said words in the first, the first, it's, I'm the only person in the world on the plate, on the face of the planet who said the words in the first professional production and in the last, and the first, said words for the first time in the last world premiere of August Wilson. Wow. So, I've, I've, you know, you, you, you live life wanting to be able to say, I'm the only person who, and I'm the only person who can make that claim. There you are. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. You're listening to KWRH 92.9 FM. We're talking to James Williams. And he is performing in the production Two Trains Running, which is an August Wilson uh, production. I should say he was the playwright. And it's about the Pittsburgh Hill District. All of his plays are about the Pittsburgh Hill District. Uh, no, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom takes place in Chicago. Okay, so there I got a, I got a correction on that. But w- let's talk a little bit about the the performance that's taking place at the Black Rep until uh, Sunday. Sunday, yep. And is that a matinee performance? Yes. Okay, and what time does that start? 3 p.m.? Okay. And folks, you can get tickets, just go to the Black Rep, and you can check that out. That's also at at Edison Theater and at WashU. That's where the performance takes place. What what do you what role do you play in this production and describe that a little bit for us? Okay, uh, the play takes place in Memphis's diner, on the on the Hill District, sixteen twenty one Wiley Avenue, uh, and it's one of those places like Goody Goody mm-hmm. over on Natural yeah. Bridge, <laughs> yeah. where the same people show up. Every day because it is, we are creatures of habit and we like to be places where we are comfortable. And sometimes that that comfortability is on a shifting level depending upon what the temperature is in the the room that day. And uh, you meet some citizens of the neighborhood. You meet meet Holloway. who is the neighborhood philosopher, a uh, retired gentleman, a retired house painter who has views of, uh, on a lot of things in life. Anybody who spent any time around uh, elders of our community know that one of the things that we do not have a lack of is opinions about the world <laughs> around us. Uh, you meet West, who owns the funeral parlor uh, in the neighborhood. You meet... 
uh, Wolf, the numbers man. You meet Rissa, who is the the waitress or the the wait person in the restaurant. Um, you meet who am I leaving out? You meet Sterling, who um, has just been released from prison, and he walks in one day and he's coming. He's trying to come back home and find out how he fits in this new environment. So you've got Memphis, you've got Holloway, you've got Wolf, you've got uh, Rissa, you've got West, and you've got Rissa. I think that's all six of us. Um, and, and it's one of the beautiful things, one of the most beautiful things about Mr. Wilson's work is that it's the way it speaks about our communities is that Every day is special because of the tenor of the things that we deal with. And this time you find out that uh, it's the 70s and no, it's not the 70s. It's the 70s. It's the 60s. And the neighborhood is... You, you mentioned eminent domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginnings of gentrification is right. starting to take It's place. transitioning. Yes, it's transitioning. Um, the polite word for... Yes. It's, it's being taken over. Right. It, Let's it, just it, call it like it is. You know, oh, and I left out of the, one of the most important characters who you never see, Aunt Esther, who is the personification of the spirituality of our people since we've been in this country. Okay. So it, it's the, the hence the significance of the address sixteen twenty one Wiley. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, it, not it, a coincidence. Yeah, not a coincidence <laughs> at all. And um, it, it's it, it's how that's going to play out because normally you hear you just see a neighborhood change. And you never hear the people who move in, never hear the stories of the people who are moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, and let it look, they, they may hear about the history, but they definitely do not hear about the lives of the people who, uh, who are forced out. But you get to meet people, you get to meet these people, and through these people you find out the feelings about what's going on around them, mm-hmm. uh, what those, what these on, this onslaught of pressure uh, is, how it's affecting the neighborhood, how it's affecting the individuals, um, not necessarily on a political point of view, but from a very from the day to day existence. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, I'm sorry, I did leave out someone. I left out Hambone. How could I leave the, out the, Hambone? The character that yes. you play. No, no, I play. I play Memphis. Memphis, okay. Uh, no, Hambone is one of our August creates these spiritual, intellectual, emotional personifications of the struggle of uh, African Af- uh, Black Americans. Uh, he and he only has two lines, you know. He go give me my ham. He go give me my ham. I want my ham. <laughs> and uh, there's a whole story around it. Since you haven't seen it, I'm gonna. I, I won't give it away. 
Uh, but it's and and that's what it is, where a place where people have built their lives, all of a sudden there's a decision made in City Hall, and these things go into effect to take just rip people away from where they've planted themselves and mm-hmm. and and built something, and now they they're just told oh, you have to go on. You know, you have to figure out a strategy to become, you know, more profitable to stay where you are, mm-hmm. or you have to pick up and find someplace else. And we're going to give you, <laughs> we're going to decide what your life has been worth to this point. Mm. So here, uh, we're going to give you what we call a fair price for your business. And move on, but it's 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 funny, it's topical, it's uh, it could take place. It it takes place in the '60s, but it could take place tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I haven't seen the play. I've read a, a little bit about it mm-hmm. on the the Black Reps website, and there's dynamics between generations. Yes, of what should be done to exactly. to kind of stand up to this. Exactly. Because during the 60s, you, you've had a lot of the, uh, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. Malcolm X. Right. So there is, there is kind of multiple factions working and, and uh, kind of colliding at right. the same time. Right. So and, big, it'd be very interesting. Oh, I, it I'm is. I'm looking forward it, to seeing it. And, you know, there's a wonderful cast. Uh, uh, you've got uh, Sharissa... Who plays Rissa? You've got, and I'm ill prepared. I don't have the cast list in front of me. Uh, but you've got uh, Jason, who plays uh, Sterling. You've got Travis, who plays Hambone. Uh, you've got Jerome, who plays West. You've got my myself, who plays Memphis, and then you have St. Louis's own Ron Himes playing right. Holloway. Uh, and, and I just want to make sure I give a shout out to Ron um, for all the time and, and, and dedication and, and just tremendous, tremendous amount of work he's done in establishing the rep, keeping the rep alive, and, and dedicating. It to bringing quality work, quality uh, work with telling our stories, uh, because that's the thing that is the most exciting to me about this is being able to come back home and tell this particular story. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for Ron and all of the interns and all of the staff at the rep, it would not be possible. So, ladies and gentlemen of St. Louis, y'all have a jewel in your midst. And if you haven't been there, please get there. If not for this, for uh, any of the shows for the season of the upcoming season, uh, but I would say I I would love to have you come see this too. Uh, but come and you'll come back. All right. And every is it every night? We're this, this, this we're tonight at seven. Uh, tomorrow at 7, uh, Friday and Saturday at 8, and then Sunday at 3. Okay. All right. That's two trains running, which the Black Rep's putting on at the Edison Theater at the Washington University campus. want to do kind of a 
close the interview with this. You, you've delved into pursued directing. Mm-hmm. And when was that transition that you kind of wanted to do that? I, I'm sure it wasn't like, well, now I want to direct. It was something that maybe as you're acting, you say, you know, I would probably do that a little differently here. And you want to in, have it your own influence in that. Uh, am I, you know, putting words in your mouth? or No. I, 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 the, before I go on, I have to mention Carl, who plays Wolf. No, buddy, I didn't leave you out. Um, and and uh, I... The way you said it was, you said, oh, it was just very nice the way you said it. But the way I joked about it was I used to say, when I rule the world, this is how I'm going to do it. <laughs> and um, it, but, but you do. You Over a period of time, you look at things, and it's not about whether or not you can do it better. What it's really about is a, di- a, a different interpretation. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Sometimes you have to be very careful what you wish for because yeah. uh, as an actor, you get a chance to you, – you look at the play through your character's eyes. As the director, you have the responsibility of, of, of the overall vision of everything. You have to take into account lights, costume, uh, set. Um, then the the hard part comes of having so many talented people come to audition for you and then trying to make sure you pick the right people to do it. Um, but it is, it, it's, that's, that's where I'm looking to head towards right now. Uh, my next project coming up is I'm directing the senior BFA class at the University of Minnesota in Brex, the Caucasian Chalk Circle. Um, and it's the opportunity that 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 has the appeal of shaping, helping to shape actors early in their career mm-hmm. uh, to kind of pass on. I come back to Barbara Woods' message again: go hard, you know, be there, be there, be fully present at all times. That's was great advice back then. That's uh, carried you to this day. Yes, it has. And will in, in carry uh, future actors. I sure hope so. As you influence them in the directing realm and even in the acting realm. I sure hope so. This yeah. has been a great conversation. I thank you. I've it's... really enjoyed it, getting to know you a little bit. And, uh, you know, folks, one of the, the joys of doing what we do here at the station is we get to meet some incredible people. You read about them on play, paper or on the computer screen, but when you get a chance to meet them in person and really get a feel for who they are, and, and I know your passion for St. Louis runs very deep, and how you, uh, and I've not known you very long, but how your, your ability to portray the characters comes from a deep sense of your past, the present, and who you want to be, and exactly. who you want other people to know who you are. So... Thanks very much for coming on In Tune today. It's been a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure.